Colossians chapter 1 tonight, I'm sure everybody has a handout sheet, of course, a bulletin, of course, and, and this is our last message on the introduction of this book on Christ first, this preeminence of Christ, and we'll begin to start getting to the real meat of this, uh, the reason for the writing of this epistle next week, Lord willing, next Wednesday night. Uh, we want to finish up the introduction, though, which is a... a, a prayer, of course, of the Apostle Paul. We want to specifically look at this prayer in detail tonight here. He used in verse number 3, Colossians chapter 1, verse 3, he says, we give thanks to God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, praying always for you. And then he uh, gives some more words of uh, salutation and greetings, of course, and he butters them up and tells them what a wonderful church body they are there in that little city of Asia Minor in Phrygia, southwestern uh, Turkey. And uh, he begins in verse number 9, in verse number 9 to 12 is our text verses tonight here. And so let's read responsibly tonight, or rather, excuse me, in unison tonight, all four verses, 9, 10, 11, and 12. And I'll let you remain seated as we read God's word through. Let's read it together here, verses 9 through 12. Ready? Begin. For this cause we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and to desire that ye might be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding, that ye might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all might according to his glorious power with all patience and longsuffering with joyfulness, giving thanks unto the Father which hath made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light. Now follow along with me as we read it once more, but let me read it and you concentrate on what the words say. Verse number nine, one more time. For this cause we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you, Paul said, and to desire that ye might be filled with the knowledge of his will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding that you might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God. He's praying a prayer of blessing upon them. Strengthened with all might, according to his glorious power, unto all patience and longsuffering with joyfulness, giving thanks unto the Father, which hath made us meet, or fit, in other words, to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light. Uh, just spend 30 seconds in review where we've been here in the last few weeks here. We looked at the church at Colossae in verse number two of this text. We saw the saints, that uh, they were faithful brethren. We found out that they were both in Christ and in Colossae. And uh, they were members of the church, not only of God our Father, but of the Lord Jesus Christ. Then we saw the oneness of the church. They were unified in thanksgiving, unified in prayer, unified in saving faith, unified in uh, the belief in their Savior and unified in, the, in loving the brethren. Then we saw verses 5 and 6, the outreach of the church. They preached the blessed hope. They preached the truth of the good news. They preached, they, they preached, their preaching brought forth fruit. And then we saw that they were an obedient church, and that leads us into our, this last prayer of benediction as he begins uh, uh, this meat of the word that we'll not get into tonight, but we'll just uh, look at this prayer here just in a moment here. But we see that they were obedient church, they were faithful in service and love and wisdom and in works. Now we get to this Paul as a prisoner, his prayer. Remember, he's in Rome. He's ready, he knows what happens to prisoners in Rome. Most of them, let's be blunt, lose their heads, literally, 
or are, are crucified or what have you, or fed to the lions, and this is, the, this is his lot. He's probably, we don't know this for a fact, but we do know that through, it's on good, good report that many prisoners, if they were a, a notable prisoner, they were chained directly to a Roman guard for 12 hours at a time. And, then, and so you had a Roman guard chained to you, a low-level Roman guard, if you will. And, of course, the penalty for a Roman guard to lose his prisoner, of course, to have his prisoner escape would be death, of course. And so these guys were uh, out for keeps. And so Paul had a captive audience if you will, the chained audience to him. Uh, and I'm sure sometimes he got a, you know, a guard that he got to talk to and maybe he felt sorry for him and maybe, maybe many guards said he led to the Lord. We don't know. I'm sure that was the case. And some of the guards said maybe gave him a hard time. But he's, he's in a prison. He's shackled. He's ready to lose his life. And he, of course, he has Epaphras and he has Aristarchus. And he has, uh, we're going to read about uh, later on in the chapter 4, these fellow prisoners with him that uh, uh, give testimony, and of course, they write, write the book, of course, uh, that we know of as Colossians, of course. And he's, he can't preach, if you will, but he can pray. And he's, uh, he begins his prayer to these people. Now, he's going to be lambasting him as we, for their heresy, that they're, for their uh, getting off track, as we're going to find out in the weeks to come here on the preeminence of Christ, and that's, again, starting next week. Lord willing, we'll get into that. But he's, if for lack of a better phrase, he's buttering them up. He's praying for them. And uh, he's, he's lauding them, and he's praising them. And uh, so I wanted there's three parts to this prayer here. Paul, Paul prayed for those at the church at Colossae. First of all, he prayed for spiritual intelligence for them. Intelligence is a fill-in-the-blank word. For this cause, now let me back up to verse 8, who also declared unto us your love in the Spirit. And then he said, For this cause we also, since the day we heard, heard it, heard of your church and so forth, and uh, of your testimony of Christ, do not cease to pray for you and to desire that ye might be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. Uh, he said, We do not cease to pray for you. I mentioned in weeks past, and it needs to be said again here, and you know, here we are, we're open on a Wednesday night for a prayer meeting. Obviously, we just have a handful of us here, whatever is here, 20 or 20, 25, whatever we have tonight. How many churches across America and New England have even have a prayer meeting of any sorts on a Wednesday night or a Tuesday night or a Thursday night? Not many, to be honest with you. We're too busy to pray. We're too busy. It's just it's beneath us. And Paul, Paul was a prayer warrior, and he prayed differently than we, we pray. We come together for prayer, and I'm not trying to chasten anybody or chastise anybody for any of the prayer requests that were asked. A lot of our prayer requests, we ask for ourselves, or we ask for, for a job, or we ask for health, or we ask for our loved ones, or we ask for material blessing of some sort or another. That wasn't the type of prayer that Paul prayed. And the Bible says, Paul said these words, pray without ceasing. He said he prayed for spiritual intelligence, that they might do the will of God. The first... Um, bullet point, if you will, or I guess dash in our worksheet is, Paul said, for this cause, for the, for the cause of Christ, for, the, for the, this love of the Spirit that you have, uh, since the day we heard of it, that you have a testimony in Colossae and throughout all the world, verse number six I'm alluding to. He, he saw, Paul saw everything from heaven's point of view. We sing the song, it's so true, folks, We're not, this world's not our home, we're just passing through. We really are here to get in gone tomorrow. I mean, if at best, I mean, if you live in, uh, 
I got to be careful here. I'm just thinking of our folks that are, I won't name names, but you know that you're, some of you are in your 70s and 80s. You're older than I am. And uh, most of life has passed on earthly life. And we're, we're blink of an eye, we're going to be out of here. And Tim and I were talking about that today, of course. And uh, we're, uh, we're here today, we're gone tomorrow. Paul knew that any day that the executioner might come in and take his head. And that's what happened. And maybe it was just a few weeks or a few months or maybe a year or two after this writing of this that that very, very event took place. Paul was heavenly minded. Paul, I mean, prayers, our prayers go up to heaven. Uh, we have a great intercessor, Jesus Christ the righteous, and he ever lives to make intercession for us, but we pray for, for the kingdom. Uh, so the prayers we see, uh, they, he prayed for them, these people that he never met, by the way, he prayed earnestly for them, that they might be filled, in verse number nine, they might be filled with the knowledge of his will. And uh, three, three things here, I'll give you an outline for verses nine, 10, and 11, it's the next bullet point, if you will, the next dash there. He, he prayed for their, for their spiritual vision, first of all. You know, what do we look at? What do we, what's important in our lives? Uh, you know, and I find myself, I'm as guilty as anybody. I pray for, you know, uh, for feeling good, for good health. And, uh, you know, one, one day our health is going to run out anyhow, right? I mean, one day, I mean, the body's going to quit ticking eventually anyhow. One day it's going to happen. But we pray for our health. We pray for our jobs. Tim, I, I pick on you for a moment. Tim, Tim got a new job a few months ago, and he, men's prayer time, I can think of sometimes where he asked for help and strength as he took on a new job, and he's kind of have a high position and so forth, and Allison's got a new job, a fairly new job now and so forth, and we pray for our job that we can be successful and that we won't get fired and that, we, that things will go good and we'll make money and all that good stuff. Nothing wrong with that. But Paul prayed out-of-this-world prayers, if you will, he prayed a prayer of vision that we might see beyond our, me, myself, and I about our little world that we live in. He prayed for vitality, verse number 10, and we'll look at it in more detail. He prayed not only for vision, for vitality, but the third V word is the word, verse 11, we'll look at it and when we get there, the word victory. And so Paul prayed for spiritual intelligence for these classy Christians, this classy church. He prayed that they might have heaven's point of view about everything that they might have a vision, of heavenly vision, might have vitality, strength, and might have victory in Christ. And then, of course, we see this phrase over and over and over and over and over again in this book. We'll see it a number of times, the, the phrase, in Christ. And um, he talks about being in Christ over and over throughout this book here. And then we might be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. And... Uh, the word, the word that he might be filled, back to verse number nine I'm looking at. That word filled is found a number of different times, several more times in this book here. I have him listed for you. Look at verse 19 of the same chapter. For it pleased the Father that in him should all fullness, same word, fullness dwell. Uh, chapter one, verse 25. Wherefore I am made a minister according to the dispensation of God which is given to me for you to fulfill, same word, to fulfill, or the same word as filled or uh, fullness, same root word as in 19, to fulfill the word of God. And uh, then look at chapter 4, go to chapter 4 and look at verse number, uh, or chapter 2, verse, verse 2 rather, excuse me, 2-2. Two, two, that their hearts might be 
comforted, being knit together in love, and unto all riches the fullness of of un, the, 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 uh, unto all riches of the full assurance of knowledge. The full assurance, there's that same Greek word again for the record. And then we get to verse number 8, very key verse, or verse number 9 rather. For in him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. In, 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 who's in him there? It's in Christ, right? And ye are complete in him. That word complete is the same word as, as full or filled or fulling. And so the fill in the blank word, in Christ we are filled or complete. In other words, when we have Christ, we have everything. When we have Christ, we have the Father, we have the Son, we have his wisdom. We have the ability to have his wisdom, I should say. We have everything in Christ, we are complete. See, the Gnostics, they, were, they, 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 knew, they knew so much, or they thought they knew. They thought they had a higher level of learning. They were, uh, they were experts in their learning, but they were, they were puffed up with, with uh, false knowledge is what they were puffed up, or lies, really. And Paul's beginning to start to dismantle. He's meeting them right where they're at with their... their they're full buffoonery. Verse number nine, let me just dissect some of these words just for a moment here before we move on to verse 10. That you might be filled, uh, that word we see again numerous times throughout this book, with the knowledge. That word knowledge is the word, it's a fun word. It's, I think I told you a couple weeks ago, it's the word epigenosco. Uh, the word gnosis or gnosis. We get the word gnostic from, of course, it means knowledge, epi, upon. Knowledge on top of knowledge. That you might be filled with knowledge. We have a one-up on this world. We know that this, 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 there's a spiritual end of a spiritual part of us. We know there's a spirit being that lives within us, the Holy Spirit of God, and He guides us in all truth. We we know much more than the, our unsaved counterparts. We have the knowledge of God. We're filled with His knowledge. We have Christ in us, the hope of glory, and so we have this epigenosco of His will in all wisdom. We looked at that word two weeks ago. It's the word. The word wisdom is the word Sophia. And of course, sophist or uh, uh, sophisticated uh, root words. Root so it has to do, of course, with wisdom. Of course, uh, a love of wisdom and and spiritual understanding. There's the word synusis, uh, of course, which means discrimination. And we looked at this in a little bit more detail again a couple of weeks back. But Paul wants us to be spiritually intelligent. Is what I'm trying to tell you in verse number nine. He prays for spiritual intelligence. This is some, you know, we're getting kind of meaty tonight on purpose. This is the meat of the Word of God as we look to dissect the Word of God line by line, precept upon precept, word by word. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. And man shall not live by bread alone, but by every what? Word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. The words of God, the words of the Lord are pure words. They're important words. And so Paul wants us to be, he wanted these Colossi Christians to have spiritual intelligence. Then, number two on a worksheet, the prayer was not only for spiritual intelligence, but it was a prayer for practical obedience. There's a lot of people that have a lot of biblical knowledge, intelligence. You know, someone has said the greatest uh, uh, knowledge is to know the will of God, but the greatest, the greatest achievement is to fulfill the will of God. It's one thing to know the will of God, it's another thing to do the will of God. Um, I'm not picking on anybody here, of course not. You're here. But there are some people that could be here tonight at Wednesday night prayer meeting, but they chose not to be. I'm not talking about those that are working. I'm not talking about our elderly. I mean, they'll give excuses across the board, those that are sick amongst us. But there's some people that are just, let's just be blunt, they're lazy. They're not connected to the house of God. They're not connected to the, 
the, the prayer meeting, I mean, there's something on TV right now that's more important than prayer meeting. Let's be blunt. Let's be honest. That's what's happening. And uh, there's something, uh, just relax, had a hard day at work, whatever the case is. And they, they know, therefore, to him that knows to do good, knows it not to him it is sin. If I only came to church when I felt like it, I wouldn't come to church a whole lot. <laughs> if I only served God when I felt like it, I wouldn't serve God a whole lot. Sometimes I don't feel like it. If you only go to work when you feel like it, teenager, get this down. You're going to be in a heap of trouble. You're not going to have a job long. Because you've got to go to work when you don't feel like going to work. You've got to go to school when you don't feel like going to school. There's some things you've got to do when you don't feel like doing it. You know, we, we're so, such an emotional-based society. And this prayer is for practical obedience, verse number 10. That ye might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing. As a good soldier of thou, 2 Timothy 2.2, 2, thou therefore endure so hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. It's one thing to know the will of God. It's another thing to live the word of God. So first bullet point, if you will, or first uh, dash. I should have put bullet points so I could say bullet points. But anyhow, uh, first dash. In Christ, there should be no separation between learning. That's what's happening in this half-hour period right now. We're learning. We're trying to learn the word of God. And living. You know, I spent a few hours putting this message together tonight here, and now I'm trying to disseminate it to you. And it's not just a one-man show. Now you've got to take this and learn a little bit tonight here and live what you've learned. Be a doer of the word, not a hearer, only deceiving your own self. In fact, uh, let's get three verses ready if we could here. Ephesians, let's have three quick hands. Ephesians 4, 1, quickly. Give me a hand, Tim, thank you. Uh, Philippians 1, 27, quickly, somebody. Thank you, Marge, for that hand. Philippians 127. <laughs> and uh, uh, let's see, First Thessalonians 2.12, somebody quickly here. Uh, okay, Lynn, okay, thank you. Okay, so we are to walk worthy. The Bible says he's in his prayer that he might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing. What does it mean to walk worthy? Well, it means to walk worthy of our uh, Ephesians 4.1, who has it? Nice and loud, please. All right, we're all, uh, Tim is an engineer. That's his occupation. His vocation is a disciple of Christ, his life calling. Uh, he just happens to eat up a majority of his time at a place called, uh, what's the name of your company again? Jacob's Vehicle, Jacob's Vehicle Systems. So he's a Jacob's Vehicle Systems uh, uh, engineer. He's really not that. He's a Christian of the Lord Jesus. He's a child of God of the Lord Jesus Christ. And he's there in covert operation to try to win some of those folks to the Lord Jesus Christ. And everyone, your, your, your job is your occupation, your vocation is to, we're to be obedient to our calling. And God's called us to, to walk a clean walk. And then uh, not we're to walk worthy of the calling, we're to walk worthy of the gospel. Philippians 127, please. Corinthians reminds us that we're living epistles known and read of all men. The only gospel that some people will see is the gospel they see in you. We have to be, we're ambassadors of Jesus Christ. We're representatives of Christ. And so we're to walk worthy. We're to walk in obedience. There are many Christians, and I'm afraid there's probably some in our church that, that uh, the people wouldn't even know in, around, around town and around northwest Connecticut or the place to work that they're even a Christian. 
They want to know that they're not giving service to the gospel. And uh, it's so sad. One thing to know what's, what's right and to uh, know that we're heavenly bound, but it's another thing to live like God wants us to live. And then First Thessalonians 2, 2.12, who has that verse for us? So in verse number 10, Paul admonishes them to not only to learn, verse 9, the, the doctrines of the faith, but to live them, walk worthy of the calling, walk worthy of the gospel, walk worthy of God, and that we should walk to please God. First Thessalonians, not first the first Thessalonians 4, 1 says, Furthermore, then we beseech you, brethren, and exhort you by the Lord Jesus, that as ye have received of us how ye ought to walk and to please God, so you would abound yet more and more. And so God's called us to a life of obedience. And then the next bullet point, as we look at verse 10, the latter part of verse, uh, worthy, we should walk worthy, we sh- and we should walk to please God. We should walk worthy of our calling, over the gospel of God, and we should walk to please God. And then, of course, then look at... Uh, Next bullet point, look at the last half of verse number 10. Being fruitful in every good, what? What's the next word? Help me out. Work. And increasing in the knowledge of God. So we're to increase in our learning, but we're to be fruitful in every good work. And so uh, the fill in blank word, of course, is the word, is the phrase good works. We are called to be fruitful in good works. James 1.21, was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered Isaac his son up on the altar? Uh, faith without works is dead, James says. Show me that faith by that works. We, we, there's this work that we do. That, no, we're not saved by works, but work, people that are saved work. The Bible says, you know, when we that are so big proponents on grace as we should be, we forget that Christ went about doing good works. In Acts 10, 38, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and the power who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil for God was with him. And so we see this prayer, verse 9, was a prayer for spiritual intelligence. Secondly, it was a prayer for practical obedience. But verses 11 and 12, it was a prayer for moral excellence. Moral excellence. Verse number 11, strengthened with all might according to his glorious power, not our power, but his power, unto all patience and longsuffering with joyfulness, giving grace or giving thanks unto the Father which hath made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light. So he prayed for moral, moral excellence. You see, there's a balance in four ways. First of all, God has called us, Paul prayed that they would have knowledge. Be filled with all knowledge. So the first fill-in-the-blank word is the word, 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 word have knowledge. We must know the word of God. Listen, you can't obey the word of God if you don't know the word of God. You've got to study God's word. There's a reason why we have, we call it not connection groups. We call it for 30-some years or 40 years Sunday school. But we have connection groups because we, Sunday morning service, worship service is not quite enough to to learn the word of God. So we have another time. We have another time called Sunday night services. That's our format. It's not, it's not in the Bible. And every, in the Bible, every day they met with the, 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 daily in the temple and from house to house, they, 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 they studied the word of God. But knowledge. Then uh, God says not only knowledge, but then a walk or conduct. Next word is the word conduct. 
that your conduct be, be that cometh a Christian. I uh, just used my son-in-law real quickly here. It's uh, interesting. Jonathan, uh, you know, he's a Navy officer now, and he's, he's down there with 43,000 Marines. His whole street is, uh, I don't know, 20, 30 houses on his street, and there are uh, almost all, everybody on the street is a Marine. And uh, some, most of them are older than he is. They got these nice houses, and Jonathan's a new move-in Navy guy. And uh, they have to call him sir because he's an officer. And they, Jonathan said, you can call me John, you can call me Jonathan, it's all right. And he says, no, sir, no, sir. They know the rules, right, Brother Jim? There's decorum, there's proper, and there's sometimes when John has to dress in his dress whites, and he goes to certain events and so forth, and there's a protocol, and there's a conduct. There's a conduct for Christians. There's knowledge, there's conduct, and number three, I don't have time to preach, there's service. We need to be a doer of the word, not a hearer only. And then, but the verses for 11 and 12 deal with, the, 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 with character. God wants us to have character as well. See, we can have knowledge. We can know. We can walk properly and look proper and so forth and be in our dress uniform, if you will. We can serve. But if we don't do it with character, it's all for naught. See, God looks on the heart. God knows, you know. There are sometimes that I, I pick on myself, I, I impugn myself, but I, you know, there's sometimes I, I don't feel like preaching. I don't feel like teaching you guys, no offense. I mean, sometimes I'm in the flesh, like I got to do it anyhow. And so I got to pray a prayer, something like this, Lord, Lord, you know my heart, you know my wretched heart, help me, dear God, I need your, need your strength. Now, I'm not a hypocrite when I do that. In fact, I'm admitting, admitting my, my frailty and my flesh and my humanity. And God knows that, and uh, I put my best foot forward, and that's what you do, should do as well, too, that we should be filled with character. And several things about this character, we'll do, well, we've got a few more minutes here, so look at this character as it's dissected, if you will, please. Verse number 11, strengthened with all might, according to his glorious power, by this, this spirit, that, that we have this love of the spirit that's indwelt us, verse number 8. But then it says these words here, unto all patience. Now you know what, you know how to get patience, right? Tribulation worketh what? Patience, of course. You know, you know that joke, I'm sure. But patience is endurance in action. Not, not you know, sometimes we, we equate patience with just, uh, 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 what's the word I'm looking for? The word, uh, uh, not doing anything, just standing still, just being patient, just waiting. No, Paul, no, we're patient while we're working, in action. Paul was uh, in that Roman prison, and he was, he was praying, he was pre- preaching, and he was writing, and so forth, and he, he was patient in, in, uh, in what God called him to. Uh, James 1, 4 says, But let patience have her perfect work, that ye may be perfect, or complete, or full, and entire, wanting nothing, or lacking nothing. Patience. Patient endurance. It's, uh, it's hard to be patient when serving the Lord. Uh, it's Wednesday night. It's just that uh, we've got humble crowds on Wednesday night. I can just say this and be bluntly. You know, we're in a lull in our church family, in our church body right now here. And, uh, and many churches are. We with a pastor today. Very, I won't name the pastor, but I took a pastor out to lunch today. In a much smaller church than ours. In fact, I don't think they have anybody tonight at their church, but it's family. And, uh, 
Uh, we were talking about the ministry, and it's, it's hard. And he's got to be faithful, and we've got to be faithful, and we've got to be faithful in the, the, the cold times and the, the down times and the, the winter blues times. We've got to be faithful. Patience. Paul was, I mentioned there were some long nights, some cold nights then in Mamertine Prison. Imagine there, there was rats running around and mud and so forth. And here's the great apostle Paul. He says, patience. I, I pray that you have patience. Then uh, not only patience, but then a sister uh, character trait of patience is that it's long, long, let me say that again, long suffering. Long suffering. It's self-restraint. It's the opposite of revenge. I mean, there's sometimes, I mean, you know, I don't know about you, but I, I know if you're a valiant Christian, Tim, I've been picking on you tonight. Let me pick on you again, you know. So sometimes we look at the prosperity of the world. We look at uh, people that, that just mock God and work and so forth in other places, and they, they, they use the Lord's name in vain all the time. They have no fear of God and so forth. And, and uh, we just like, you know, we want to rain down. We want God to, to zap them. We want God to... God exact revenge on these people, the wickedness and so forth. We're tired of it. We're tired of being the, you know, picked on and being bullied and being marginalized and all the rest and, 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 and persecuted and all the rest. Paul said, long-suffering is restraint and it's without revenge. Pray for your enemies. Love your enemies. Pray for them to despitefully use you. So he prayed for their character, that they have patience, that they have long-suffering. And then they do it with joyfulness. Now that's pretty joyful patience, joyful long-suffering. That word joyfulness. Now, joy, you know, you've heard as many times, happiness is, depends on happenings. Happiness for the kid is going to Disney World, you know. Uh, happy, it depends on happiness, uh, happenings. Happiness for the kid is not going to school at, uh, you know, 7.30 in the morning. That's not happiness. But, uh, this happiness that we're talking about is a supernatural, or this joy, pardon me, joy is this, we're talking about a supernatural, a spirit joy. In fact, Galatians 5.22, you know it, but the fruit of the spirit is love. What's the next one? Joy, peace, gentleness, mercy, long-suffering, or patience, meekness. I just messed it up here, but Galatians 5.22 and 23, they're in fruits of the spirit. And so this joyfulness not, it doesn't depend on happenings. It's, it's something that's within us. It's innate. John 15, 11, These things have I spoken unto you, Jesus said, that you might, your joy might remain in you and that your joy might be full. There's that might be complete. John 16, 22, Jesus said, And now, and ye now know therefore, pardon me, and ye now therefore have sorrow, but I will see you again, and your heart shall rejoice. And your, and your joy no man taketh from you. There's a peace in my heart that the world cannot see, a, the world cannot know, a peace it cannot understand. There's a joy, there's an in, innate joy in the, the life of a Christian that's walking with the Lord. Now there's, there's a joy in the midst of some sorrow, in the midst of some, some hard times maybe. And uh, Paul said, or rather James said in James 1-2, my brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse or different temptations. Knowing this is a trying of your faith, work is patience. And so this, we have this joyfulness, this, this, this peace in the midst of the storm. While we're in prison, we can have a joy that only God can give. That leads us to the fourth character trait, if you will. Back to verse 11. 
unto all patience and longsuffering and joyfulness, giving thanks, verse 12, unto the Father. So the fourth character trait, characteristic of those that are filled with knowledge, those that are walking with the right conduct, those that are serving the Lord, those that have character, is thankfulness and it's for spiritual, not necessarily material or physical blessings. Ephesians 1.3 says, Blessed be God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. And so this, we see this giving of thanks unto God the Father, which hath made us meet. That's our old King James English. That word meet means to be, be fit or prepared. Which hath made us prepared or fit to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light. We are being prepared. We are, he is making us. He's be, you've heard that little phrase, please be patient with me. God is not finished with me yet. God is molding us. He's making us. He's preparing us to be, to be, be saints, be part of the saints in light. We're going to heaven forever and ever and ever. I mentioned uh, before the service, I was talking to Paul outside the door here, and I just mentioned Mayor Largo. I've just seen it on television, of course. I've seen the aerial shot of Mar-a-Lago, Donald Trump's uh, estate down there and wherever it's at in Florida. And there's, there's great estates. He was in India the other day and he was at the Taj Mahal, I understand. And, uh, you know, there's great, beautiful, opulent buildings and so forth. And, uh, you know, I'll never get a chance to live in or I'll never get to sleep in the Lincoln bedroom in the White House, I'm sure. I don't think that's going to happen. I don't think I'm going to, you know, be able to... to uh, live with the lifestyles of the rich and famous. It's not going to happen. But I'm going to a heaven that's far greater than anything that this world has, could ever offer. And, uh, and we need to stay, stay the course. And so what do we learn from our text? Now this kind of ends things because verse 13, we're going to find out as a transition verse. So he's going to start into the meat of the, the matter of the subject at hand here. We'll look at it, Lord willing, next Wednesday. But uh, Paul says, I want to give thanks I want you to give thanks to the Father which hath made you meet or fit to be partakers in the inheritance of the saints and light. So what do we learn from our text? Well, it may sound trite, but it's true. Our greatest blessings in Christ, they're yet to come, they're out of this world. (laughs) Our greatest blessings, uh, when we get to heaven, we won't sing, it will be worth it all. We'll sing, it was worth it all. Maybe we'll sing, I wish I would have given, given him more, the judgment seat of Christ. And we'll say, what were we worried about? It's, uh, uh, it will be worth it all when we see Christ. Let's bow for prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word tonight. Lord, thank you for your folks that wanted to hear some knowledge and be filled with your wisdom and understanding of spiritual things and rightly divide the word of God. But, Lord, not only do they want to be filled with your knowledge, but, Lord, they want to be obedient to your word. Lord, they want to have the right conduct, but Lord, they want to do it with character, inner character. Lord, with, uh, with uh, patience and long-suffering and joyfulness. And then, of course, with thanksgiving, knowing that, Lord, we're being prepared to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light. Help us to be found faithful, we pray. Until then, Lord, may you bless us. We be found faithful in this pilgrimage that you call us to walk. And may we pray for one another, we pray in Christ's name, I ask. Amen. I think it's 91, I think that's the page.